What's up, Fin Maniacs listeners? This is a special edition of the Scouting Combine with your host, Hussam Patel. Today, we have a great guest, and today we have Fox affiliate WSVN Sports Director Josh Moser. Josh, how are you doing today, my man? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Of course, man. So, I got to ask you, man, it was your first time being at the NFL Draft as an affiliate with um, Fox South Florida and with the Miami Dolphins. How, how was it? It was different this year. I've covered the draft a lot. I uh, spent the last six seasons in Green Bay covering the Packers and was in Denver with the Broncos before that. So I've done the draft in Chicago. I've done it in Nashville a couple of years ago. It was a party and you could tell that there was still COVID. You know, it, it just wasn't quite the same atmosphere, but luckily it was a draft in person going back 12 months ago. It was all virtual, but I mean, it was in Cleveland, the land, you know, where football began in Ohio. It was it was muggy. There was sleet. It was like 40 degrees. You could see your breath. So it kind of felt like football weather. And uh, it was nice to be there for a few days. And of course, uh, jet back down here to the beach in South Florida. I bet. I bet it, you were you were a fish out of water and you were, I guess you could say a fish sickle up there in Cleveland, Ohio. And we had, you know, our fin maniacs were out there in Cleveland, too. It was an absolute blast. So let's get right into it with the first selection the Miami Dolphins selected Jalen Waddle. What was your initial reaction? Did you want Jalen Waddle? Did you want somebody else? You know, for me, Jalen Waddle has to be a Hall of Famer. And the reason I say that is I was talking about this with Drew Rosenhaus. You had the third overall pick. You're assuming that Chris Greer and Brian Flores thought that it'd be quarterback one through four. They almost got there, leaving that they would have somebody available at six, whether it be Kyle Pitts or Jamar Chase. So you have Kyle Pitts was arguably the number one overall prospect in the draft. You had a chance to go get this guy. And realistically, all you got was a first rounder in return, basically, once you made the other trade with the Eagles to move back from 12 to 6. So Waddle has to be the guy. I understand what they do. He's the number one guy for breakaway speed. He's going to help Tuatunga Vailoa extensively. You put him opposite Will Fuller. You can play him in the slot where he's really the most natural. Uh, coming off that ankle injury last year, we saw him a little bit in the national championship game. Uh, but for me, he, he's got to be a multiple contract guy. And I, I think he has to be really, really good because the, the Dolphins have a third overall pick. I mean, you were there. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that's just my opinion off the cuff. Now, we're talking about the draft. He hasn't been graded. Uh, but, you know, he needs to be a long-time, long-time starter. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. We definitely will. And, you know, if Miami really did want it, Kyle Pitts, and I said this on Twitter to all the fans and followers there, they would have stayed at number three they ultimately wouldn't have let Atlanta take him at number four. However, Jalen Waddle was the number one guy on their board right behind Trevor Lawrence, as for most teams. Really? That's the, you, I, interesting. Yep. I mean, so then that's their guy. Like if he, if they believe that he was their guy, you know, then, uh, then he was their guy. So um, yeah, I mean, good, good for them. I, I know that they said that. I, I'm curious of how much of that is lip service versus actually just supporting their new guy uh well yeah we'll 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 see i was kind of curious of the timing with the trade with the third overall pick to san francisco uh obviously you know the draft grades are out for whatever those are worth uh you know i'll, I'll be very impressed with the dolphins and you know i hope waddle's a superstar i'm rooting for the kid i really am 
I think we're all rooting for the kids. And the thing with draft grades too is they're all projections. You can't really grade a player selection before he's even laced up his cleats or walked onto the field or maybe even catch his first pass or get a touchdown. To me personally, that's just something else that I, I don't even consider. And he's the most dynamic wide receiver that was in this year's draft, cl- draft class. He's super, yep. super fast. Got He's got great yes. hands. He's, he's a home run selection too. Um, he possesses very reliable hands and he's sort of a polished route runner, but he has room to further develop these skills and he easily could become the best receiver from the 2021 draft class. Now, when you initially met Jalen in the media room, I, I saw your pick on over social media. What kind of vibe did he give off? Like, was he excited? Was he elated or was it just like a surreal moment for him? Yeah, I think he was still coming down from just hearing his name called and you saw him in the green room, hugging his family, jumping out, obviously eccentric guy had these crazy, you know, crystalled out Air Force Ones, had multiple patterns on the on the suit. But he, he's a guy that, that's going to bring a lot of swag to this team. He's definitely himself, obviously, the relationship with Tua. And, you know, it's the most exciting night of, of your life. I mean, think about it. I mean, you literally became a millionaire, you know, overnight, just like that. Now, there's been years and years of work. But now he will forever be known as the sixth overall pick by the Miami Dolphins. And now he's got a, a really, really good opportunity. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens here in the NFL. But he he was fun. Uh, you know, great smile, obviously, had grills in. So you couldn't see his real teeth. Um, and then, you know, he's he's ready to do this. I mean, he, he knew that he would be here. And, uh, you know, so he was kind of convinced he thought he would go at six. And uh, that's exactly what happened. And it did happen. So hopefully he does great here in Miami. And I know you're a UC, USC guy. How initially, initially, how did you feel when Amon Ra St. Brown didn't go in the first round? Oh, man, Amon Ra. Um, I haven't met him personally. I covered his brother Equiminius with the, the Packers. So he and I actually formed a pretty good relationship. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think Amon Ra ended up with Detroit. So he was definitely a guy that I was looking out for. And you, you see this all of the time, like outside of a few prospects, who knows who's going to be, you know, a, a productive pro for an extended period of time. You're talking about injuries. You're talking about finding the right system. There's so many factors that go into it. So for me, I mean, Tom Brady would be the best example that I can think of, you know, the late round selection. And uh, it, it doesn't matter where you start. It's where you finish the old sports cliche as much as I dislike those. But look, he's going to get a chance to play. And, you know, that's what what he what he does. And it, it, yes, you get a little bit more money up front, but we're going to get to see just how good he is. He was electric in college and, you know, I expect him to, uh, you know, grow. It's, it's really hard coming into the league as a rookie. You really see a jump from these guys in covering the league now for 15 years, you know, really from that second to third year, that's really what you're looking for. And uh, if you're in the right system and you're in the right, you know, situation and we'll, we'll see what happens, but I, I, I hope that he does very well. And obviously, you know, you want to root for your guys from the alma mater. And uh, yeah, I, I hope he does really, really well. You know, dad was Mr. Olympia, the great genes in the family. And uh, yeah, Equiminius, a new dad. So yeah, it's a, it's a cool family, cool brothers. And uh, yeah, I, I like spending time with those guys. Yeah, I, I really like 
watching Amon Ross St. Brown's tape and we had a pod with OJ McDuffie too. And I gave him a list of wide receivers and Amon Ra was there for him to scout and he absolutely loved him. He absolutely loved him. And when you really talk about these guys, you know, really coming on second or third year, don't be shocked if a player does not produce in his first year because it's really a growing process for these kids. They're only rookies, man. They're they go from college from, I guess you could say, kids, teenagers, leagues, to a league full of grown men, adults. And speaking of grown men, Jalen Phillips is 6'5", 260 pounds, and he did have a little bit of injury concerns. He was the first pass, pass rusher off the board, and Miami selected him. And it's been a long time coming since his disappointing end at UCLA. When you watched him at UM, what does he bring to a Brian Flores defense? He's bringing, he's, he was the number one pass rusher. He was the number one edge in the draft class. And, you know, the, the Dolphins had options if they wanted to take, you know, pay was there. There were other guys they could have selected. Uh, his teammate, Greg Rousseau, and it could be taken by the Bills in the first round. And, and Jalen Phillips was their guy. Uh, I love talking to him. I think he is a great personality. And I think he really refound his love for football. He was on a moped, got hit by a car, was, you know, medically retired from football, gets a new start at UM. Obviously, he was on the field every single game this year, uh, the, you know, and his pro day was phenomenal. I remember watching that whole thing. He really showed out at the pro day. But I love his energy. I love what he brings. I love his confidence. And now it's just refining those tools. And he's still young. I mean, five-star kid out of Redlands, California, coming out of high school. I mean, it's all been there. Now it's just a matter of piecing it all together. And I think that defensive line is, is going to be, you know, something to watch, especially with Brian Flores, like defense. I love Christian Wilkins. Uh, the kid out of Alabama from last year, Davis, was played really, really well. So um, we got Butler coming in. So we'll see. I actually talked to Devon Godchow earlier today. So, you know, he's like, look out for this Dolphins defensive line. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited for Jalen Phillips. It's funny. They go Jalen, Jalen, you know, picks one and two. But uh, he's going to be somebody Miami's wants to root for. And, you know, I hope that he does really, really well. And uh, I look forward to uh, actually meeting him in person instead of just talking on Zoom. I'll call them Jalen Cubes. And it's surprising you. You're talking to Godchow, too, because now he's a former he's a former Dolphin and now a Patriot sworn enemies now guys i know twice a year yeah we, we had some funny uh funny laughs he's got a uh event coming up at mao out here in midtown uh in a couple weeks and uh just talking about the little differences asking him about you know what he saw in brian flores that was like bill belichick now that he's met bill and just a little difference of the patriot way and what's gonna be like in that visitor's locker room at hard rock and you know we, we had a good laugh uh but he he's very happy he got paid i mean realistically Butler, the guy they bring in that played for the Patriots, they essentially swap positions. Uh, the Dolphins got him for half of what they would have paid. Gotcha. So uh, $180 million salary cap. It's the reality right now. And uh, you know, hopefully all of these draft picks that the Dolphins selected, you know, get signed. And cause the, the cap is, it's going to, it's tight. So curious to see what restructuring gets done here. And of course you've got the undrafted free agents. So uh yeah, it's going to be an exciting uh, time coming up to uh, rookie minicamp in a few weeks when we get the draft class. And then uh, before you know it, it'll be uh, week one. 
This is a great segue when you're talking about the salary cap because the Dolphins just drafted Javon Holland from Oregon, and now there's talk about potentially Bobby McCain being a cap casualty. Yeah. When you watched Javon Holland, he crushed guys at USC too, man. And he was the first safety taken off the board, and he was the number one safety on their board. So what does he bring to Miami? And is Bobby in a, in a little bit of a bind right now? I think they're going to create competition. I think there's always a way to rework the contracts. Obviously you're not going to let your, you know, second round pick walk out the door. Uh, Holland's a young guy. Uh, father played in the CFL. He's Canadian himself, was a stud at Oregon. And then he sat out this last year. So really we haven't seen what he can do. Did they need a safety? No, but the dolphins are going kind of like the Packers. They say they, they stick to their board and they take the best player available and they'll, they'll figure it out. Uh, I would stick with McCain. Again, we're talking about a rookie coming into the league, not taking anything away from Holland. I think he's going to be a stud. Uh, he's an athlete's first guy. They're super high on him. And uh, I was talking with his agent earlier, who was a friend of mine from college. And, you know, he's, he's going to be a stud. Um, so I'm excited. I love the videos that he put out. And I think he's the real deal. And when you're talking about, you know, a defensive-led team, which this is, I think he's going to be a great piece, and I'm, I'm curious to see how he fits into that secondary. Maybe even use him kind of like in the elephant role, where, you know, kind of look down linebacker. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, but he's definitely a piece that you want to have on the field later in the season, and I think he's going to be a mainstay uh, at least, you know, for four years. Well, I will argue with the point that the Dolphins not needing a safety is not true because they do need one. Well, you can talk about Bobby's salary as well but also they need a deep center fielder and when i watched his film he was able to move back from he was able to move back easily from his slot position to deep third safety itself in a cover one look which miami plays a lot uh, i believe around 45 to 50 percent of their snaps is in a cover cover one man look um if mccain does stay you know holland can be in that slot role or maybe even that elephant role as well. You know, with sub packages and everything with Brandon Jones, it can be a linebacker, safety slot, maybe even boundary corner as well. We'll see what Brian Flores comes The real reason, in my opinion, they wanted the kid Williams, the running back out of North Carolina. With the Broncos trading up, they freaked out, didn't know what to do with 36. They took the best player available, and that's why they traded up, you know, and then got the guard uh, out of Notre Dame, uh, tackle rather. And, I mean, yeah, it's – you know, that that's what happened. They wanted the North Carolina running back at 36. They thought they could get him there. That was the plan all along. And then it was, uh, this happened, which hopefully will turn out very, very well. And, uh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see how this goes. Oh, Denver brought, uh, there was another report that came up that Denver wanted Jalen Phillips at 20. And I guess you could say this, this was a revenge move by George. Patton. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't have the info on that. I'll have to call my boys from Denver and see what they can find out. But uh, there's definitely, they pay attention. I'm not going to lie to you, but the brass, they, they know who's doing what and they love to, to stick it to certain guys. So could be, that's a funny storyline. I like that. Well, that's great to hear from you, especially on this podcast. A lot of listeners are, are, are really, really going to be delving into this. And, you know, all over Twitter on night two, they were like, we want Javonta Williams. We want Javonta Williams. Even our own internal guys, you know, we wanted a running back really, really badly. And the plan just 
never materialize. So it's going to be, as you said, an interesting storyline to watch. Now, Miami has a young and developing line, having selected three starters in last year's draft. They traded up to take the offensive tackle from Notre Dame, Liam Eikenberg. And, you know, he's going to be a welcome addition to that group. What's your belief on how well the line could play next year and really help Tua Tungavailoa's development? I think it's it's going to be a process. Uh, when you look at the best offensive lines in the league, they're together for a long period of time. That's not to say that they haven't surrounded Tua with very strong, big, athletic guys. The hardest players to find in the NFL and the most important players outside of the quarterback are your, your big guys up front on the offensive and defensive line to find those guys. They're just few and far between. And I think the acquisition of DJ Fluker, the veteran presence, former first round pick, he's going to be an interesting piece to see what they do there. Uh, you know, most interesting is two is the only left-handed starting quarterback in the league. So you've got the right tackle, you know, basically blocking his blind side. So that's perfect for Eichenberg. Fluker's played there. Curious to see, you know, what they do and how they shift things. There's a new center this year, the guy they brought in from Baltimore. So they're going to have to come together and gel. And, you know, realistically with preseason is what it is, right? You know, it's about that communication, especially if there's fans in the stands this year where they're with road games where there is that noise, they're going to need to come together. And if all of this offseason goes virtual, I think that's going to be an area of emphasis that the offensive line will have to work on just because they're not going to be able to spend a lot of time together on the field. And you need that to really truly get a sense of one another, not so much from a football, you know, they've been playing football their entire lives. Like nothing changes there. It's just more chemistry perspective. Exactly. And I've seen it on multiple teams, but again, if you get the right personality fits, it it all works. And uh, I think, you know, I think they will do a better job of protecting Tua. I'm curious to see, you know, what kind of offense they have around Tua. It's a new offense coordinator. Hopefully it's catered more towards his skill set versus what we saw last year when he came in basically midseason replacing Ryan Fitzpatrick. And, you know, I, I call this year one. And I think that, you know, year two and year three is really when this team can excel. And they had three first round picks last year. They have two first round picks this year. They've, they've got a hit on their guys. They got Will Fuller. Uh, they've got some really good pieces. Uh, running back to me is the biggest question mark right now on the roster. Uh, Drew Rosenhouse believes Gaskin can be a thousand yard rusher. And, uh, you know, it all starts up front with that offensive line. So uh, all have to work together. The, the true team sport that is uh, football in the NFL. Exactly. And you're right. And you know what? I'm going to echo Drew Rosenhaus' beliefs as internally. Uh, my guy, Carter Melrose, is a Miles Gaskin stand. And I do think Miles Gaskin behind this offensive line and this running back committee can do really well. You're going to have fresh legs come in come in and Miles Gaskin can catch the ball out of the back out of the backfield. He can run the ball as well. Now with the 81st picked, Miami really wanted a center in Quinn Miners or Creed Humphrey or maybe another running back down the line. Everybody wants a running back, but they drafted a tight end in Hunter Long when they already had when it's basically four tight ends in that group. Will there be an odd man out in training camp? We'll see. But I mean, look, you, you draft a kid, Hunter Long, led college football last year in receptions and receiving yards. So a little bit of a better blocker than uh, Mike Kosicki, but this is Mike Kosicki's group and he's in a contract year. So I'm curious to see 
you know, how this plays out with a big extension, because I think Kosicki is going to play really, really well. Uh, announced that his uh, girlfriend is is pregnant, so he's about to be a dad here coming up soon, so he'll have a little bit more to play for. But, uh, you know, Kosicki is without a doubt they're the best offensive weapon. We saw that last year, and uh, I think he's going to be an integral part but I think it's really smart going to get a second tight end. We saw this with the Patriots. They went out and got two tight ends. We've seen the success that they had with Gronk when he was up there. The tight end is the quarterback's safety blanket. And if you can put one on either side, it also keeps the safeties in the middle of the field, which is going to open things up on the outside. When you have Will Fuller, the speedster, and now Jalen Waddle, the speedster, you know that's the mold that they wanted this offense to look like. And, you know, it's Pitt's obviously the number one guy could have had him. Uh, who knows? But Hunter Long is, is a good piece. I think he's an underrated piece. And he had one offer coming out of high school. I had to go to prep school before he went to Boston College. So I'm curious to see what he can do. Also can solve a Rubik's Cube in like 47 seconds, which is pretty crazy. And, uh, you know, again, best player available. We've, we've seen it. So now it's about finding uh, – you know, that chemistry. And I, I like two tight ends. I think it's, it makes an offense so much more dynamic. And when you talk about, you know, Tua and his strengths, I think that's going to be a, a great fit. And I hope Hunter Long's uh, the guy. And I think Kosicki's going to draw a lot of attention and find that open man. And uh, hopefully it's, it's Hunter Long in the right place at the right time uh, in that red zone. Well, we give Mike our congrats on being a new father very, very soon. And 12 personnel is one of Miami's biggest strengths. They won they won a lot of games. I believe they were 7 and 1 when they went half of the game in 12 personnel and it suited to his strong suit. Now when you add Will Fuller who can stretch stretch teams um vertically and Jalen Waddle stretch teams horizontally, defensive coordinators or players are going to be scratching their head, who are they going to cover and you dropped a little bit of a hint there when you mentioned Gronk and Aaron Hernandez and Tom Brady. Could Tua possibly, possibly get a command kind of like the 2007 Patriots offense? I mean, there's always that opportunity. You know, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm very curious. I think this is going to be an entirely new look um, offense for him. I want to see the playbook. I love Eric Studesville. Loved what he, I covered him when he was in Denver. Uh, when he took over as the interim head coach, I think he's a smart guy. I think they were, you know, a lot of people wanted a sexy name there. Uh, but I, I'm happy that they're going to kind of give Tua that support. Now, you know, I've heard that, you know, they wanted Watson and that Tua was on the table with the number three pick and all of that. But as of right now, Tua is the guy and they're surrounding him with the pieces that will benefit him and, I, I, I believe in him. I, I want to see him succeed. And I, I think just the safety blanket of two tight ends, it's, it's too hard to cover. And it just forces a lot of one-on-one matchups, especially on the outside. And, and that's what you're looking for, that explosive play, those explosives, that big play. And if Tua can hit on those, he's already got the chemistry with Waddle, as we saw at uh, Alabama, obviously different level in the NFL. But, you know, that's what they're hoping for. And that's how they built this team. And now it's uh, – you know, has to be taken off of paper and put into action. And that's what uh, everybody's anxious to wait and see. You're dropping bombs on this podcast, man. Bomb, bomb after bomb. That's some great reporting right now. Another offensive tackle was selected in Larnell Coleman. It looks like Miami is adding depth. What does this say about protecting Tua? 
Yeah, I mean, big kid out of Mass. Um, you know, you, you want guys that have a lot of size and you want guys that are mobile and you want depth on that offensive line. Uh, it's so important to have five, six, seven guys that can be there. Uh, obviously, you've got five starters, but you need that depth. You People get hurt. You're not going to have the same roster in week one that you're going to have in week 17 or excuse me, 18 now with the 17 week schedule. And I'm curious to see how that factors in. And especially if you get an early buy, like week four or five, it's tough. And you need guys that can come in. You need guys that can play multiple positions, can play tackle, can play guard. And uh, for any quarterback, you know, regardless if it's two or not, it's that's what you've got to find. It's a late round pick and hopefully he can develop. Not a lot of pressure there because they've got the guys up front that they need already. And I think that's a good situation. And hopefully there's a lot of growth and you can find a mainstay. Uh, obviously, it's a short term with uh, Fluker. And here's a long term with, you know, a couple offensive linemen taken. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But I, I like the thinking. So finally, the Dolphins took a running back in Jared Dokes from Cincinnati. And fans were clamoring, clamoring the entire three days for one. It seems Miami is more content with the situation. As you said, with uh, Rosenhaus, Gaskin is the guy. As uh, analysts and fans seem to believe that they didn't really want a running back, what would you have done differently if you wanted to get a running back within the seventh round or the, any of the well, earlier they, rounds? They, they wanted Williams. Like, make no bones about it. He wasn't there at 36. Um, and then you, you have to remember, too, that they got Malcolm Brown from the, from the Rams, so they added him. Ahmed was good. Uh, but, you know, it's not a sexy name. We'll, we'll see – I think they could do it by running back from committee, but we've seen, unless you're an elite, elite running back, we've seen guys like Aaron Jones would be a perfect example from Green Bay's fifth round pick, um, you know, have success. So it's finding those diamonds in the rough. And, you know, when you're coming out of conference USA, you're playing for Cincinnati, you know, it's not a true power five look. So you get guys like that, that can really translate and to the NFL and, you know, you're probably looking at a three running back room if you take four tight ends because you've got you've got Smythe, you've got Shaheen. It's curious to see how they're going to shape this roster. You got a lot of receivers. Uh, curious to see what Alan Hearns looks like. I know we opted out last year if he's you know what he's going to do. So for me, we're going to find all of this out in camp. And if it's nice to have a different style of running back, I think Dokes gives them that. And we'll see what he can do, but I, I think uh, they're happy with what they have at the top. And if Dokes works out great, he's a seventh round pick. It's a flyer. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, we'll see if he makes the roster practice squad. I, I think he's, he's in that group right now. Um, and then remember there's guys like Duke Johnson still available free agent. Uh, I'll throw Frank Gore's name out there. You know, there's guys that have done this that are, have, you know, can hop in. And Adrian I Peterson think, as well. He's another Adrian name Peterson to watch out well, for right. too. I think it's just figuring out the cap and, you know, to take a seventh round flyer on a guy. It's someone they thought that we, they couldn't be able to get on the, uh, you know, undrafted free agent signing. So they, they drafted him and they want to see what he's got. And, you know, I, I hope he kills it. Yeah. So the Cincinnati Paracats are actually in the AAC instead of uh, the That's my alma mater. That's my alma mater. FIU. Go pause up, baby. So before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you, what are the rumblings you're hearing out of Green Bay and the whole entire Aaron Rodgers situation? My lips are sealed. Can't say anything. 
Oh, um, wow. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll say, uh, I mean, what's public knowledge here? Um, you got to think, huh? You got to uh, think. Let's see here. Let's see here. Um, I'll, I'll say this. The last they, they drafted a receiver this this year in the third round. That was the highest receiver that they've taken since Devontae Adams in the second round in fourth. I believe so. All right. They haven't gotten they haven't surrounded Aaron with any talent. I know they wanted Justin Jefferson, the kid out of LSU that the Vikings traded up for last year. But there's other ways that they could have bolstered that offensive roster. Uh, again, your oh wow, own goal from the Panthers. Brutal. Um, sorry, just need your reaction on that one. Uh we're getting a live game analysis right yeah. now. <laughs> Look, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP of this league. Yes, he's 37 years old. He is the franchise. He's been there since 2005. Um, it's It's been long documented that he, he hasn't had the weapons that he deserves. And he basically carries the offense. They get guys on defense that they hope can, you know, help teams score less points. And then, Aaron, you go out and do everything. Uh so I know last year it kind of came out today. Jake Kumaro was a fan favorite wide receiver, a safety blanket, someone that Aaron Rodgers loved. And the brass said, nope, we don't want him, not fast enough, and walked out the door. Uh, didn't do much in Buffalo where he got picked up, but there's defensive guys they didn't bring back. Micah Hyde in Buffalo, uh, Casey Hayward, a cornerback that was with San Diego for a while, still, you I know, mean, was a great player, became a pro bowler. Uh, Micah became a pro bowler. They didn't keep the guys that they needed to keep. They let him walk out the door. Corey Lindsley. Signed the biggest contract the center ever did this year with the Chargers. They let Brian Balaga go to the Chargers. You know, these were Aaron's guys. They didn't want to pay Jordy Nelson. They offered him the veteran minimum. And they had special chemistry. Uh, they let Randall Cobb walk out the building. Uh, you know, these were the guys that Aaron really, really respected and played really well with Jared Cook, another one. Um, you know, it's 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 happened over and over again. And you know, Aaron's, it came out with Russell Wilson. He wanted more control over personnel moves. Aaron Rodgers has been saying the same thing for years. And uh, they had the whole Mike McCarthy debacle. They have a really interesting setup with the team president and the general manager, Brian Gittekunst, and then Russ Ball, who's the money man. And there's really no head. It's, it's interesting. And then Matt LaFleur's thrown in. Uh, but look, Jordan Love was Matt LaFleur and Goody's guy. And, you know, you go back to Brett Favre as the best, you know, example of this you know they drafted Favre's replacement it was Aaron Rodgers they drafted Aaron Rodgers replacement it's Jordan Love and those those meetings are awkward and Aaron was a soldier this last year so much so he won the MVP and I think it really threw off the Packers plans because they didn't expect him to play like that he's got an out in his contract after this next season and he's got a 39 million dollar cap hit so I, they're not trading him. uh he's got the largest cap hit in the NFL this year uh but I hope they get it figured out and uh, I know that Aaron said publicly that he wants to finish his career in Green Bay. But, you know, now he's got a fiance. He's living in Malibu. He's hosting Jeopardy. Uh, you know, he's training at Proactive right in my hometown of Westlake Village with Bakhtiari and a lot of those guys. It's Clay Matthews, old high school strength and conditioning coach. So I'm curious to see what happens. It's not like he needs the money. But if Aaron Rodgers retires, he owes the Packers, like, I think it's around $20 million. So I don't foresee that happening. But uh, yeah, Title Town is uh, freaking out right now, and uh, I, I I don't see anything getting resolved uh, in the immediate future, uh, especially his cap goes down, I believe, later in July. 
to about 13 million. So if there's everything, you know, time for that, we'll, we'll see, but uh, they better get it fixed. Devonte Adams put out a, a tweet today. It was something like, uh, oh, it's cryptic. Yeah. It was something along the lines of like, you better appreciate what you have while you ha- have it. Um, and I love Devonte. Um, he's great. And uh, man, I'm just covering the Packers. It's getting me fired up. Um, <laughs> it's a little different on the Dolphins fan base. They, they, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, look, it's the MVP of the league. Like, treat him like a superstar. You treat your superstars differently. You don't treat him like he's the 53rd man on the roster. He's Aaron Rodgers. Like, give him a seat at the table. And you're foolish not to. They haven't. And, uh, you know, I don't see this ever being fully uh, resolved. It's going to have to be gritted Barrett. And, uh, you know, everybody's on pins and needles. Interesting, interesting, interesting development coming out of Green Bay. And I hope we never, ever have a situation like this with Tua Tungo Bailoa because he is the franchise. Now, as we get on to the predictions of next season, and now it's a brand new 17-game season with the possibility of Miami going to the playoffs. might sound like a stretch, but hey, we were 10-6 last season. Where do you see this new season heading for Miami? Uh, I'd love to give you this answer on May 12th when the schedule's released to see how many, uh, you know, back-to-back <laughs> road games they have. Uh, I, think, I, think we're, I think it's – I'm going to say 10-7. and seven. I think 11-6 and six would be good. I, I hope that they're 4-2 and two in the division. I think you get two wins over the Jets. I think you split – with the Patriots and Bills, uh, I hope that they can do better. Um, I, you know, anytime you go out west, that game with against the Raiders is always tough when you travel far. And then if you get a stretch of, you know, you're playing four games on the road or three games on the road, it changes things. Uh, but yeah, I'm going, I'm going ten and seven, and I hope that's enough to get them into the playoffs. They got robbed last year, and. Uh, We'll, we'll see. Well, you got to stay healthy. You're always one injury away. So uh, hoping for the best. I know Finns Nation should be pumped. It was a good draft. And now it's about translating it onto the field. And, uh, you know, Jason Sanders is a great piece. We haven't talked about him, special teamer. Give, give some kickers some love. And kickers you know, are people too. Kickers are people right. too. There's some people, in, you know, they got players in place. So now it's just a matter of having it all come together and, uh, I think the division is improved. I think the division improved the draft. I think the Patriots are much improved. I think the Jets are much improved, but I don't, I don't think they're improved enough. And I, I still think that the Bills are the team to beat. Uh, we saw that last year. So, uh, yeah, 10-7. Well, Josh Moser, thank you so much for coming on, dropping a, a lot of uh, a lot of watch bombs today on us, okay? I mean, I got to do my job, right? Of course, man. Thank you so much. And fins up, everybody. Thank you so much for listening.